We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Week 9 is upon us. Nick Whalen, John McKechnie here with you to break it all down here on the sports betting edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, John, we, we ripped through 16 games last week in under an hour. We're going to try to do the same this week. You know, not, not go too long-winded on some of these. We have, we have an immense number of backup quarterbacks potentially starting this week. Uh, you know, I, I'm in a pick'em league, you know, where you, you do confidence points one through 16 each week. I've referenced that on the pod a bunch of times. You know, we, we got the boys chat for, for all the guys that are in it. And this is consensus, the toughest week of the year. And, you know, as we always say, these are in theory, 50, 50 propositions, but the amount of uncertainty that we have at quarterback, I mean, we could have 11 teams starting a backup quarterback this week. And it, it could be up to 13. If you want to include, you know, rookie quarterbacks in this CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, um, who you know, are kind of up and down in their own right. Can you remember a more chaotic week just in terms of quarterback play? I, I think uh, this morning alone is like one of the more ridiculous ones. I mean, not only uh, a, a night owl such as myself seeing Josh McDaniels get fired in, in real time at like two in the morning Eastern. And then uh, we, we see the Aiden O'Connell news. Uh, we, we see Atlanta making the correct decision that we've been uh you know, lobbying for all autumn long, uh, that them going to Taylor Heineke this week. Uh, the Vikings obviously having the, their own issues with, with Kirk Cousins going out for the, for the season. That That's absolutely brutal. Dobbs probably not going to be ready to roll this weekend. So we get treated to Jaron Hall against Taylor Heineke. Uh, so that'll be uh, something to behold. I, I might might have to see what the tickets look like for that game. I'll be back on Sunday, so uh, might might have to go go get eyes on, on that on that guy. But uh, beyond that, I mean, we saw Tommy DeVito play last week. Uh, play in air oh, quote. Um, we saw him on the field. Can confirm. Uh, I think his best moment was, was really just people circulating the like uh, Twitter pictures of him just kind of being like uh, I don't know what in the plant, Planet Fitness lore being a lunk out there um but beyond that i mean this is yeah th- it makes for this week being uh ridiculously tricky uh we have two fewer games to to play around with as well with four teams being on by so there's gonna be a battle i think i think we're ready for it though i think we are i think we are we're coming off of a, a bounce back week in the circuit contest we went three and two lord knows john it should have been four and one man uh that that baltimore nine and a half you know we, we had a bad number i think it was down to, to eight or eight and a half by kickoff but you know we had to lock that in a little bit earlier in the week and oh man josh dobbs 
uh, Nelson Aguilar. They, they did everything they could to uh, the refs. To blow that one up the refs. Us, but. The refs with that McBride uh, not calling that play dead when he was so like that play was over. Over. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That, to me, that that's like the fourth, like fourth most thing I'm mad about in that game, which is just a, a terrible way to phrase that. But Aguilar, why are you like? Why is Nelson Aguilar even on? your hands team. Like he's the opposite of, of somebody that you want on hands team. Like they were, they were setting up for Nelson Aguilar to catch that. Like that was the plan. Like they put him in that position. It's not like he was out there accidentally. Like they were saying, all right, our, our goal here is to allow Nelson Aguilar to bring this in and secure the win. They were setting themselves up for failure. Like literally as soon as they lined up and we saw Aguilar out there, I texted you like, this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. And of course, you know, we got to give credit. Hell of an onside kick. That was about as good as it gets, but man, I mean, to, to see that one go down, like the way it did, like, the Cardinals didn't even operate it well. Like they, they ran too many plays. They ran all this time off the clock. I thought they were gonna, at that point, just going to gun for the touchdown. Uh, they instead kicked the field goal and we, we knew our, our fate was sealed at that point. But anyway, enough complaining about the past. We move on to week nine. Uh, we'll talk through some games we might use in Circa as we go game by game here. And uh, those of you watching live, you will notice we're recording this on Wednesday, a day earlier than normal. Uh, I am in fact getting married this weekend, which is why we had to push it up. Uh, You're flying out tomorrow to to come join the festivities. Cannot wait for that. Um, So we we apologize for those of you, you know, who are used to watching us on Thursday, but hey, you get it a day early. All right. So uh, we might not have quite as much injury news as we typically do, but we'll give you the same takes. And because we're recording this a day early, John, we could talk about Thursday night football. Let's start there. Titans, Steelers. Steelers three-point favorites at home. It, it sounds to me like Kenny Pickett is at least going to try to play in this game. He's trending in the right direction. He's, he's going to try to gut it out. I don't know that it really matters whether it's him or it's Mitch Trubisky, who we saw come in in the second half against Jacksonville and pretty much immediately throw a terrible pick into triple coverage. Threw another pick on the last play of the game. Not really his fault. That was a Hail Mary scenario. Kind of a false, false turnover there for Pittsburgh. On the other side, we got Will Levis. And I, I don't know what to make of Will Levis at this point, John. I, I faded him last week to my own peril. I thought that was you know almost too good of a spot for Atlanta catching Levis on his first start, and it turned out to be true. I mean, he he single handedly has resurrected DeAndre Hopkins. That was unreal. I mean, I was uh, I was setting my DFS lineups on Sunday morning, and as I'm going through the RotoWire optimizer, it keeps telling me play DeAndre Hopkins, and I keep telling it, no, I'm smarter than you, computer. Uh, the computer was smarter than me once again. One one of these days, I'll get it right. But um, that was. Just an electric debut from Will Levis. It looked even better uh, in those uniforms. But now we now we see. Uh, I, I think it, it. I really like Pittsburgh in this spot because it, it's so visceral. The two comparisons between the two teams last week: Tennessee way exceeding expectations, and then you got Pittsburgh on the other side, just being stuck in the mud the entirety of Sunday afternoon, both literally. And figuratively, they, they lose Minka Fitzpatrick during the course of that game as well. But Tennessee, it, I'm just not convinced. I, I think that uh, it's interesting that that like for, for props purposes, Levis's total is just like 200 yards, and it was 202 earlier today. So that that seems to suggest that uh, the the books are not completely sold on, on Levis performing in this spot. And I I think I'm just going to kind of follow that. And I know that Pittsburgh can be tri- tricky to back as favorites. We like getting them as dogs more often. But in this spot, at home, short week, I think Pittsburgh's the side. I, reluctantly, I'm with you. It, this feels like a spot where, you know, Will Levis has kind of a comeback down to earth game. And it's not really anything against him. It's just you don't, you don't really see an you know, inexperienced 
rookie quarterback have two games like that, you know, especially coming in in relief in the middle of the year? I, I think they caught Atlanta off guard. Uh, certainly DeAndre Hopkins did. And it, Will Levis caught everybody off guard, right? I mean, that was about the best case scenario. And uh, if you roll DFS or roll uh, Will Levis out there in a DFS lineup, you are uh, probably sitting pretty right now, probably cashed in those contests. I, I, I see Pittsburgh, you know, slowing them down. I, I don't see, you know, a four touchdown game where they're just ripping off, you know, 40 plus yard passes left and right. You know, these teams have combined to go under in 11 of their last 14 games. <laughs> the total's all the way down at 36 and a half. So I think the implication uh, is that Tennessee's offense does slow up here. But you mentioned the Micah Fitzpatrick injury. That is huge. You know, as soon as he went out, you know, Jacksonville hit that big play down the sideline to Travis Etienne. Like they, they felt the absence of Micah Fitzpatrick right away. Uh, we'll see how much time he ultimately misses. That looked like it could have been a fairly severe injury. I mean, he was down in a heap for a while. Uh, they ruled him out pretty quickly for this game. But yeah, it, it's it, it, we're going to be saying this, I think, about a lot of games. But this is one where you just... Uh, you just kind of have to pick a side almost blindly. I mean, nothing would surprise me here. Certainly if, if you know, Kenny Pickett plays at, at 80% and looks terrible and Tennessee wins this game like 17 to 10, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, but I, I side with the Steelers here at home. And, you know, three is not an ideal number. You could find it at two and a half at some other books. So make sure you shop around. If you're going to bet this game, you know, bet MGM, FanDuel, points bet, I'll have it at two and a half, whereas it's three at DraftKings. But yeah, I, I can't really give a great reason why other than putting some faith in Mike Tomlin. Uh, although, like, all, all the Mike Vrabel underdog stats are basically the same as Tomlin. So it's a, it's kind True. of a uh, – we kind of got, like, a, like a dog off here between those two. But I side with the Steelers at home and uh, just going to try not to overthink this one. The public is 70% on Tennessee. You can't be 70% on Tennessee. Like, you just can't. No. So, it, they're, they're, therefore, just looking at, the, at those numbers, like, I, I just uh, – almost as just an objective way of going about things. Like, I yep. – no, that, that – Public bets obviously have been working out pretty well this year, but Tennessee, not one of those teams that like fall under that purview. Yep. Yep. Looking forward to watching that one with all the boys tomorrow night, though. I'll tell you that. It's going to oh, be yeah. uh, it's going to be a banger. Uh, all right. So we fly from Pittsburgh now to Frankfurt, Germany, John, where we get Dolphins, Chiefs, uh, one of the games of the year. And I, I don't I mean, great, great for the fans of Germany to get this one. But I, I don't love this being, you know, a, an 830 a.m. kickoff for me here in central time. Chiefs down to one and a half point favorites. You know, that, that that number was at two, two and a half earlier this week. So we got some movement in favor of Miami. Total is 50 and a half. Uh, you know, is this the week that the Dolphins could finally topple a good team? This, this is, oh man, this is brutal. I, re- I really wish this game wasn't in Germany. Ger- Germany has been treated to to better matchups than uh, than the, the good folks of London. Um, but, you know, last year you get Seattle playing. Seattle was was ascending at the time over there. But um, when it comes to this game, yeah, that that is the question, right? It's um, you know the Dolphins have absolutely you know taken the paint off of pretty much every middling to bad team that that they've faced. And when they run into teams like, like the Bills when they, when they were running hot, or the Eagles a couple weeks ago, it doesn't go as smoothly. But you know the the Chiefs are coming off of a you know one of the more shocking results of last weekend not not just not covering but losing to Denver I think that's the first time what since 2015 uh, that, that the was, Chiefs had lost was the was the streak right yes so that it had been uh, quite some time and you know what was that a look ahead what, were they just kind of being sloppy or are the Broncos maybe slightly better than we've been giving them credit for. Are. They, they might be. I, there, there's the uh, the interesting statistical comparison going around where, where Russ actually has better numbers than Mahomes uh, thus far this season. But I think bottom line here, I'm worried about the Dolphins defense. And I, I know that the Chiefs offense hasn't been 
what we're what we're accustomed to. I know that they don't have the receiving personnel um, outside of Kelsey that that really scares anybody. I mean, you, you got MVS, you got a rookie in Rasheed Rice and and uh, Nicole Hardman who just re- rejoined the team a couple weeks ago. But I think Kelsey is just going to be such an issue uh, for for this Dolphins team. I, I think that the strength of the Dolphins secondary is probably a corner. You're not going to stick a corner on Kelsey necessarily because he's just going to overpower him. Um, I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to run the ball. So that combined with the fact that I think the Chiefs have, have like a top 10-ish defense, yeah. they're going to be able to keep enough of a lid on the on this <clears throat> excuse me on this. Dolphins passing attack, and I don't think the Dolphins are going to be able to run extremely well. So I, I do like the Chiefs in this spot, and I like that the numbers uh, dropping a little bit. Yeah, same here. Chiefs are 16-3 and three straight up after a loss uh, in the Patrick Mahomes era. So I, I'm i inclined to go KC here as well. I mean, part of me thinks like the Dolphins are due to finally win one of these games uh, against a good team. And you know, this is kind of the third time that they're getting a game like this on the road. I know it's neutral site, but you know, for once, I think they'd like to welcome one of these teams into Miami. Uh, we'll see some of those games later this season, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on KC and, and ironically it's because of the defense. You know, it's, it's not like I, I see, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the chiefs, you know, outscoring the Dolphins. Like if, if Miami's in the thirties here, that worries me, right? Like I, I think it has to be kind of the script that we saw against Philly and against Buffalo where it's the defense, you know, kind of suffocating Miami and, and, and holding them under 30. If this turns into a shootout, I think I trust the Dolphins more, but uh, I lean KC here. So uh, that, that is our lean on the Germany game. We'll see if we, want to include that one in circa. I think KC at, at one and a half is a pretty juicy number. Uh, let's move on to the Sunday slate, John. And this begins with Vikings Falcons. Uh, we know for sure that this will be a backup quarterback pool. There, there's no way around it. We got Taylor Heineke starting for the Atlanta Falcons. They are four and a half point favorites at home. It sounds like it's going to be Jaron Hall for Minnesota. I, I don't think Josh Dobbs is going to quite be up to speed. You know, Kevin O'Connell hinted that, you know, Dobbs could be available, you know, if they need him, you know, could have some, some plays for him. You know, it, it also could be a situation where Hall is just a disaster. And then we see Josh Jobs tossed in there, you know, in the second half. Totals all the way down at 37. Um, I, I think that makes sense. You know, we got a bunch of games in that range this week. Giants, Raiders, Cardinals, Browns hanging around there as well. Four and a half is is tough for me. You know, I, I'm almost more worried that Josh Jobs comes in. Like that that to me is is what could kind of push me in favor of Minnesota. But uh for, for the second straight week here, I, I think I have to go Atlanta, even though they burned us in this spot last week. They're at home, they always play better at home. I like this team better with Heineke than I do Desmond Ritter. Just not having to deal with that for the first half. That that, that pushes me in favor of the Falcons. And um, we just don't know with Jaron Hall. You know, I, I think you you probably know more about him having watched him at the college level at BYU. But, um, you know, I, I thought we saw a very, very limited offense once he came in. Granted, they're up two scores. You know, they're kind of just trying to run out the clock at that point. But, um, you know, this, this seems like it could be a spot where Minnesota struggles to get to like 250 yards total. Right. I, I think that this is, this is, you know, Jaron Hall as a prospect or a, as like a project uh, in the long run is pseudo interesting. Um, maybe he could develop into, into like a top 20 ish, 25 ish, you know, th- type of starter down the line, but he's certainly not ready right now. And um, you know, he had impressive production during his time at BYU um, was active as a runner and uh, you know, ha- has a strong arm to, to execute the downfield stuff. Um, but I just wonder how it translates to this level because he doesn't really have the the prototypical frame. I'm not sure the arm is quite uh, going to work the same way that it that it did in college. So that this could be a pretty brutal spot uh, for Jaron Hall against uh, you know a Falcons defense that you know fool me once, shame on me uh, type type of deal. Like that they, they they saw it, they got ambushed by Levis last week. It's not going to happen again. 
uh, two weeks in a row. Um, they're at home. Um, I, I like the Falcons in this spot a good bit. I know four and a half is it's hard to trust a team that that just does not score that much with, with that many points. But um, I, I think that the Vikings are kind of like officially on shutout watch here. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think that's the play. I, I think we have to just assume that Jaron Hall is not going to be very good. I, I don't think we get a Levis situation out of him this week. I mean, I, I don't think the plan was for him to ever play a snap this year, obviously, right? They wanted it to be Kirk Cousins, but Nick Mullins is also on IR. Like, it's not like Jaron Hall has been waiting in the wings here. I think he was just kind of a, a guy that they took a flyer on in the fifth round, and now he's thrust into this situation. Atlanta, yeah, they had the letdown last week, but still, you know, top 12 defense on the year in terms of EPA. Very quietly, number two in the NFL, John, in pressure rate. And they're not even blitzing that much. I mean, they're blitzing at a below league average rate. And you start to put pressure on Jaron Hall. Minnesota's not going to be able to run the ball. I I think this adds up to what will ultimately be a dicey and ugly Atlanta win. uh, But but a win and a cover nonetheless. So I'm on the Falcons here. All right. Uh, Go Birds. This Rotowire podcast is brought to you by my favorite meal kit, Factor. I gave Factor a try. And I can tell you firsthand, eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every meal arrives fresh, not frozen, and they're chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. Every week, you'll have over 35 different options to choose from, and there's something for every diet, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto, and there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and get after those wellness goals. One of my favorite things about Factor is the convenience. We're talking meals that are good to go in two minutes or less. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. There's no prep, there's no mess, no cooking, no cleanup, none of that. It's perfect if you have a busy lifestyle and you can't dedicate an hour plus each day to preparing lunch or preparing dinner. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Factor also offers options for every meal. Pancakes, smoothies, you name it. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, dinner, whatever you need, Factor has it. Factor is also tailored to your schedule, so you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals each week. Plus, you could pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. We've done the math. We've run the numbers over here. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be both nutritious and delicious. Head over to factormeals.com slash rotowire50 and use the code rotowire50. That'll get you 50% off your order. That's code rotowire50 at factormeals.com slash rotowire50 to get 50% off today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, speaking of birds, we got a bird-on-bird matchup, John. Your Baltimore Ravens taking on the Seattle Seahawks at home. Ravens are six-point favorites. Total is up at 43. Am I wrong to to, to kind of like Seattle here? Uh, I, I think this is a... A slightly bigger number than it should be. Like I, I had this game at like four and a half, five in favor of Baltimore. Certainly they're the better team. No question. They're the number one defense in the NFL. They've taken that mantle from the Cleveland Browns over the last two weeks. Uh, but what say you on Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, it, it's climbed it a good bit. I mean, it was four and a half um, as of Monday or, or Sunday evening. Um, so th- this has come up a, a good bit. Um, I don't really think that there's you know, huge injury concerns on, on either side here. So that, that just kind of seems to imply to me that um, a lot of the money w- was coming in on Baltimore early and the line has corrected um, since. But at six, I, I definitely understand that the case for the Seahawks, but Lamar Jackson, uh, we, we know what his record is against NFC opponents. They don't get to see him much more often than once every four years. So they have that advantage. They have the classic, you know, uh, one o'clock, Eastern kick yeah. uh, body clock advantage, although they just had to fly back across the country from Arizona in their own right. But um, I don't know. I feel like Geno Smith has not been playing quite as well this year, been a little bit more turnover prone, and that's an issue against a, a, a Baltimore team that, that's been clicking. Um, the, their defense is obviously excellent, as you alluded to there. And I, I think the offense – it showed last week, even if it wasn't like the, the most gaudy fantasy production day, especially for, from the passing game, it showed how multiple Baltimore can be where um, they can just beat you by bludgeoning with the run game. I mean, Gus Edwards having the three touchdowns, that was that was huge. So I would be – I'm inclined to, even with the big number, to, to back the Ravens in this spot. They, they just do tend to be very strong at home. They're strong against NFC opponents. I know it's a lot of points, and the, and the Seahawks are no pushover, but – um, I think there's enough factors uh, working in Baltimore's favor to where they cover this one. Did see a good trend that that would go against that, John. Not to not to undercut you here, but our, our friends Please. at Covers.com pass along Seattle 19 and five ATS as a dog of four or more since 2011. Meanwhile, the Ravens are four and 13 ATS in their last 17 games as a favorite of four or more. Ooh, oh, that's not mm. good. That'd... That's not good. Mm. It's not good. That... I don't know. I. Uh, I see this one. This kind of worries me as like a, a similar spot to like Rams Cowboys last week where I was, you know, like, it's like, all right, Dallas is the better team. We know that, but it's like, yeah, I can see the Rams sticking around. That game was over by the end of the first quarter. I, I don't know that we yep. see that sort of lopsided result, but I, I still, I like the Seattle team, man. They're, they're first place in the NFC West right now. They're five and two. It, it feels like six points, even on the road, even cross country uh, is a lot here, but we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. I, I think this means we might not be using it in Circa. Okay, that that we can agree on, uh, I got suppose, it. more if, if nothing else. All right, we got another bird team in action. The Arizona Cardinals on the road at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, it's P.J. Walker again here for the Browns. They are eight-point favorites at home, total 37 and a half. Uh, the reasoning, of course, for that, John, we got Clayton Toon. Hmm. Uh, we got Clayton Toon going for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I'm not really sure what their plan is. They, they keep insisting that, hey, maybe it's Kyler Murray. He might play. He might play. Uh, I, I think if you the more you read into it, the, the more unlikely it is. I think that Kyler Murray plays this week. I think he could be back in week 10. 
Uh, should mention, by the way, that you know Deshaun Watson was limited at practice Wednesday. Maybe there's a chance he comes back. I would almost rather see PJ Walker at this point, not that he's been all that great, but um, you know, I think this this uncertainty with Watson and how he's looked, you know, when he's trying to play through this injury, pretty small sample, but it wasn't great uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, big, big number for Cleveland with a backup quarterback. The defense has started to slip a little bit the last couple of weeks, but I, this feels like like Josh Dobbs. I think was a big reason why why Arizona's been able to hang around and you know put up such a good fight, you know, virtually every week. I, I think without him, without really knowing what we're getting from Clayton Toon, I, I'm inclined to back the Browns. I'm with you there. Um, it, it's it's tough to tough to back PJ Walker with that many points, but I think that there's enough going for the rest of this Browns team. Their their overall talent advantage uh, versus the Cardinals here be, being such a huge factor here. Um, Clayton Toon, someone that I'm interested in for for dynasty purposes. I, I don't know if he'll ever like find his footing uh, in Arizona as long as Kyler Murray is there but um you know he was a he's a player with a lot of moxie during his time at, at Houston put up some good numbers uh is is a pretty athletic guy actually can can run a little bit so i think if he gets flushed out of the pocket he's not just a statue but the the cardinals just they lack so much in, in terms of talent both on the back end of their defense and and also uh pretty much across the board uh on their offense so i'm looking for this I'm just worried about the the back door being open, yeah. um, just like it was a week ago. Um, you know, we, basically the same number um, as what we were looking at for, for that Ravens game. But yeah, I mean, if we have to pick this one, it, it's got to be the Browns, and I, I feel actually pretty pretty good about it. I think the Cardinals might struggle to to even get to like ten to thirteen points. Browns are allowing under 13 points per game at home this season. That's really where, you know, all of those like all world level defensive performances have come. And, you know, I was still a little bit disappointed in how that defense played uh, a week ago, but I think they get back on track here, you know, blew a game uh, to Seattle last week, but this feels like like too good of a spot uh, against Clayton too. And even if he ends up being a little bit frisky, you know, eight is a, is a really tough number. I think we'll have to talk more about that one, see where it locks in circa uh, tomorrow afternoon. But yeah, I, I like the Browns here. They're the biggest favorite on the board this week. Uh, let's move on to Rams Packers. My goodness. Uh, Green Bay is a three and a half point favorite at home, John. And, you know, I think the the implication there is that we probably don't see Matthew Stafford. I, I think if if Stafford were to be cleared for this game, he did not practice at all on Wednesday, not trending in the right direction. If he were to play, I, I think we could see a pretty significant swing. Uh, but but as of right now, it, it feels like we're going to see Brett Rippon I, I think I still like the Rams here. Three and a half. I, I don't think Green Bay, based on what we've seen from the last five weeks, especially, I, I don't know that they should be handing any amount of points to anybody right now, even even ripping. Right. And especially more than a field goal. Like they're just impossible to trust that they're playing just a horrendous brand of football right now. I mean, that you're talking about a team that, you know, they've lost to the Raiders, they've lost to the Broncos. They, I mean, they are, they, they're a mess. They're, they're they, just a mess. It, they had so oh. many opportunities at the end of that game last week, by the way, you know, especially once cousins went out, it ended up being a, a two touchdown uh, final, but I mean, they, they, they recovered a fumble deep in, in Minnesota territory at the 15 yard line and went out on downs. They went out <laughs> on down with, with like six minutes left and then still got the ball back again and had a chance to, to cut it to a one score game and try to make something happen. I mean, it, it Green Bay could not be playing worse right now. They just traded, you know, one of their, their best healthy defensive players in Rasul Douglas. I think the secondary is going to be a disaster this week. It's already been a disaster. They are, they're the worst coach defense in the NFL. That's been the case all year. I'm starting to kind of feel the same way about the offense at this point. They're a team that is just searching for answers really on both sides of the ball. And there's been, 
there's been no positive momentum. You know, it's it's one thing to to lose games and you know put up points and and you see flashes. It's like they get more and more depressing each week, and it, it feels like Jordan Love gets worse every week too. I just I, I don't really see it with Green Bay, and you know even with Rippin. I mean, Rippin's two and one as a starter. Uh, you know, not not that that's the the greatest indication of anything, but it's it's not like we're you're, you're throwing in you know Nathan Peterman here. It's like this is somebody who is at least capable of you know historically of of game managing of not losing you a game. And I, I think the Rams the Rams have advantages all over the place. You know, I, I think you know Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua against this Packers defense that would worry me quite a bit if I'm a Green Bay backer. Uh, should note that Nakua was limited at practice Wednesday. I don't think it's, you know, anything too major, just dealing with some swelling in his knee. That will be something to keep an eye on. You know, if you were to be out, maybe that would swing me the other way. But yeah, three and a half, that's the key, right? If it, if it was three, if it was two and a half, it would be a stay away. But at three and a half, I, I like the Rams. I like them too. Uh, let, let's go with the Rams. Yeah, the, the Packers are just in a horrendous downward spiral. They've, they've gotten healthier in, in recent weeks, and it hasn't really, like, at least on the offense, and it hasn't really paid much in the way of dividends. Jo- uh, Jordan Love. Uh, it's just kind of a, a lost puppy right now. I've I've seen the name Sean Clifford be bandied about on on Twitter, and that that no. that's pretty that's pretty damning. I don't think we, I don't think we sink that low, but man, I you mean, can't. It's, it's they need to see something out of Jordan Love, and you know we we could talk more about that on, on a later episode as far as you know what his future is. But but for this week, we're on the Rams three and a half. Things are things are dire right now in Green Bay. Buccaneers Texans, John. Fun matchup here. Fun, kind of a, a fun bad game, I think, in some ways. Totals at 40. Neither of these teams have scored well of late. Both offenses are struggling. Houston, two and a half point favorites at home. I this this is I, I labeled this the Nick Whalen stay away of the week in my article, uh, which will be up on the site uh, either later tonight or tomorrow morning, where I pick every game. I, I don't know what to do here, man. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people saw you know, we're, we're kind of predicting the the upset last week in Carolina. Um, you know, we, we, we shot away from it in, in circa it was just a little bit too tight and obviously came down to a game winning field goal at the end. Um, but that, that really felt like the, the first time all year where, you know, CJ Stroud was like vastly outplayed by Bryce Young of all people. Uh, does CJ Stroud bounce back? Does, is this, is this the week that the Buccaneers finally get back on track? I think these are, these are two very, very similar teams to me. Right. And I, I worry for, for the Houston offense going up against the, this Buccaneers defense. The Bucs defense is, is solid. If they can get Vita Vea back, that, that would be um, huge. But I thought that they they held their own in Buffalo last Thursday night. And I, I think that they, they can absolutely do similar things, take you know, take some notes away for, from what Carolina did to, to stifle that Houston offense. It was coming off, out of the bye and they still couldn't get anything going against Carolina. Um, they, they cannot run the ball whatsoever. So they, they basically yeah. they, they need to be ready for their secondary to be tested uh, throughout the game. And they, they're going to need a secondary option beyond just Nico Collins to, to get going because I think, you know, Carlton Davis should be a good matchup against him. Can any of Tank Dell, Xavier Hutchinson, those types of guys uh, step up, maybe even a Dalton Schultz potentially? Uh, they're they're going to need to, to get it going. Um, because I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on the, on the Buccaneers whatsoever. And I think the Buccaneers are uh, would probably be comfortable, like kind of almost selling out against the pass and still yep. being able to, to stop the run. Um, so the, the number is, is such that I don't want to include this on, on the card. Um, but uh, if I had to pick a side here, I probably would lean. Uh, I would. Oh, God, I, I, I would lean Bucks. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is Bucks. one where you just take the points, right? It's only two and a half. Yeah. It's not like it's a great number, but I, I want the points. And Houston, 
you know, Houston's played some close games. They played some like weird score, you know, like 21, 19 type of games where it's like the two and a half, I think could actually be pretty important here. And, you know, neither of these teams can run the ball. We know that. I think, I think that almost cancels out. Uh, but I still, I like Tampa Bay's defense better on balance. Um, I actually would give the nod to Houston in terms of quarterback play at this point. I think we've, we've actually seen the real Baker Mayfield for the last few weeks here, uh, but, but neither offense is playing well. You know, Houston hasn't scored more than 20 points in over a month. Tampa Bay is averaging like 12.3 points per game over the last Ooh. three. They're struggling to, to just get first downs. I mean, they're second to last in the league, uh, you know, in red zone conversion percentage. They've only had 17 red zone drives all season, which is wild. Um, second fewest in the NFL, but ahead of only the Steelers who've had like 11, which is even wilder. Uh, but that is neither here nor there. I think we get a low scoring game. I, I think it's a stay away from a betting perspective, but I, I really like the under on 40 here. Yeah, uh, maybe that maybe that would, would be the play for, from this game. But um, picking this one against the spread is, uh, like you said, and, and well titled, the Nick Whalen stay away of the week. Yeah, which is wild because we have like two starting quarterbacks here. And uh, I, I feel better <laughs> about some of these like backup quarterback on backup quarterback games than I do teams that we should feel like we at least know here. But yeah, we're staying away from Bucks Texans. We're taking the under on 40. Uh, Commanders, Patriots, John. Very interesting game for a number of reasons. Patriots getting three points, uh, excuse me, giving three points at home. 40 and a half is our total. I, I want to take the commanders here. I, I think it's it's really difficult to evaluate the psychological, you know, effects of trading away two of your, you know, stud defensive ends in in Sweat and, and Chase Young. It's like the message that that sends to the team. How do you quantify that? I don't really know. Uh, you know, New England has looked marginally better over the last couple of weeks. The offense was still pretty disastrous last week against Miami, but the defense has picked things back up. I I, I really don't know where to lean here. I, I I think I would just take the points with the commanders on the road. I, I don't know that New England has even you know much of a home field advantage at this point. It doesn't feel like teams are fearing going into Foxborough. And you know, with the commanders, it's like the, the, even if they get off to a slow start, like there's always this promise that Sam Howell is going to throw them back into a game, right? I mean, they, they've proven twice now that they could score with teams like Philly. And, you know, they've also had down weeks. They scored seven points against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. So you never know, you know, which commander's team is going to show up. Uh, but but much like the game we just discussed and, and even like Rams-Packers, like I just, I kind of want the points here in, between two teams that are very different, but but also relatively equal. I I find myself disgusted at how much I like New England here. Really? Um, I, yeah, because, I mean, we're talking about a Washington team that was giving up the, the fourth most passing yards in the league when it had those stud defensive, uh, you know, ends, uh, you know, applying a little bit of pressure. Now those guys are gone. The, the, the replacements are, you know, not looking so great. So that secondary, even like it is the, uh, you can't say like unstoppable force, immovable object, but you know, whatever the inverse of that would be when it comes to this Patriots passing game versus a, uh, Washington secondary that is just horrendous. So I, I think that uh, we see one of the better Mac Jones games of the entire season. I think Sam Howell only getting sacked one time last week against Philly was an anomaly, one of the big anomalies of, of the entire season uh, based on the trends that we've seen. You know, he was on David Carwatch. I suppose he still probably is um, when it comes to, you know, overall sacks on the season. But I, I think that this is a good spot for Mac Jones and, and company to, to get themselves going. I know that it, it really hurts that Kendrick Bourne's going to miss the rest of the season. Um, they're going to have to work in those tight ends. I think Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki, those type of guys are going to have to be really involved here, Demario Douglas. But um, basically, I think Washington's defense is so bad that it's it's going to lead the, 
the Patriots to have one of their higher scoring outputs of the entire season. And if they have that type of momentum going in game, I think that they're just going to be able to, to pin their ears back and get after Howell and this bad offensive line and therefore uh, cover this one. So if it stays at three, um, I, I like New England. And even if it goes to three and a half, I think I still like the Pates, Patriots. You know, the, the Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne injuries are, are what hold me back a little bit here. Parker's still in concussion protocol. We'll see if he ends up playing. Bourne, obviously, on IR. He's done for the year. I mean, we're down to Demario Douglas, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jalen Rager. Uh, we might see some Kayshawn Boutte even this week. Yes. Like, it is a, it's a good spot for New England's offense. I don't disagree with you, but I, I just worry about the options that Mac Jones will be throwing to. I mean, they were, they were bad before the Kendrick Bourne injury, and now, right. you know, especially if they don't have Parker, like, it goes from bad to worse. But yeah, you're right. I mean, maybe we just trust the New England defense at home here. I think I think this we we probably go back to Sam Howell, you know, starting a new streak of being sacked at least five times every week. Uh, that that was one of the stranger anomalies. And you know, if if you watch that game against Philly, it's like it was competitive. Obviously, you know, Philly ends up winning and covering barely by a touchdown. They also fumbled on the goal line on the tush push, and Kenneth Gainwell fumbled at the three yard line. I mean, they they had two drives that should have should have not not you know you can't even say turn into field goals like should have been touchdowns, right? So you know, maybe Washington's a little bit overvalued coming into the week. Yeah, that, that game got sweatier. Uh, I know we're, we're not totally recapping last week, but that, that game got a lot more dicey for us on the Eagles' side that, than it needed to, for sure. Although it was pretty pretty sweet to see them run a different play off of the uh, oh, tush-push yeah. look. Oh, yeah. That was sick. Yeah, I've been, I've been, we've been waiting for that, right? And I, I'm actually kind of surprised they pulled it out there. Uh, obviously, <laughs> they needed to score at that point, but you'd think they'd kind of be waiting for that in, in a bigger spot. Um, but, yeah, nice, nice kind of counterplay to DeAndre Swift. Uh, for the go-ahead touchdown. So, all right, you're talking me into the Pats here. I don't, I don't love the number at three, but I, I like your reasoning more than mine, which was basically just blindly take the points. So, yeah. all right, we'll, we'll side with the Patriots there. Bears-Saints to finish out the early window, John. Saints, seven-and-a-half-point favorites at home. They're playing at the Deuce McAllister Dome. The total is 41. Uh, you know, there's maybe a, a ray of hope that Justin Fields could be back this week. The Bears put that out there. I don't think we see him. I, I think next week is is the spot for Justin Fields. Uh, so I, I think we get kind of one final swan song here for, for Tyson Bajant. Bears coming off of just a, a pure beatdown against the Chargers. Yeah, I, I think some people thought, you know, Chargers are that team that lets teams into games and maybe the Bears could, could hang tough. That one, you know, much like the Dallas game, felt like it was over a quarter in. Can the Bears pick themselves up off the bat here? You know, they were, they were buyers at the deadline. I, I don't know what that signals to this locker room, but, um, you know, the Saints finally feel like they have – some semblance of momentum offensively. And, you know, we're, we're using that term pretty loosely when it comes to New Orleans because they've been as anemic as anyone. But, uh, you know, scored well with the Jaguars despite, you know, a terrible first half. You know, had, had a big second half, and that game ended up coming up short. But that put up 38 on the Indianapolis Colts this past week, although everybody's putting up 30-plus on Indy lately. Um, you know, the question is, are, are they actually building something? Do, do we trust New Orleans in this spot? It's hard for me to put any faith in, in Bajan and this Bears team. Yes. Uh, with, so I am expecting Bajan. Um, if you if Justin Fields is wearing sunglasses on the sidelines, that that's it means he's two weeks away at minimum. That that's what the signal uh, or that's what the sunglasses signify. This is known. Um, but beyond that, um, I have been impressed by the Saints lately. I mean, I've gotten to you know get eyes on them in that Jags game. Obviously, a frustrating end for for them there with, with Foster Moreau dropping that. Uh, potential what game tying touchdown, yeah. um, but be, yeah. beyond that, I mean they, they they definitely racked up some points last week, and I think that Alvin Kamara is running as well as I've seen him in a couple of years, probably. I, I think that he looked great last week. He looked 
twitchy again, which, which like it felt like that that had kind of gone away um, basically since Drew Brees retired and they started just putting probably a little bit too much work on his shoulders. Um, so he's looking good. Taysom Hill rem- remains like the, this crazy X factor that they always have in their back pocket. And I think that the, the Saints defense is really strong. It's interesting that that the Saints, you know, what once vaunted for um, their, their performance at home are actually 0-3 against the spread at home. I think this is the spot that changes. I think so, too. I, I'm with you. I, I think this is a game where the Saints can – they can afford to get off to a slow start. They can afford to make some of the Saintsy mistakes that they seem to make every single week. And I, I think against the Bears, you just – you have enough wiggle room to get away with that and, and ultimately cover the seven and a half. Uh, you know, I mean, the Bears are 3-12-1 against the spread in their last 16 games. They're 16, They're 6-15 and 15 against the spread in their last 21 road games. It's not a team that tends to travel well. If this game was in Chicago, you know, I, I would I would think a little bit harder about it. But um, even with that trend that you mentioned, you know, the, the Superdome has not exactly been a fortress over the last couple of years for the Saints. Uh, this is a spot that I, I like quite a bit. I think New Orleans has shown me just enough that, you know, I, I don't think they're on the verge of, of like breaking out and running away with this division or anything like that. Uh, but I, I, also, I also think they're fully capable of, of dispatching teams like the Bears. Yes, the, the Bears, I mean, like they, they, they bring in sweat. Uh, Jalen Johnson, good on, on one side of the field as far as their, their secondary is concerned, but the, the Saints have a lot of options in, in their passing game. So even if Olave gets slowed down by Jalen Johnson, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shahid, um, Juwan Johnson coming back, I think is a nice little addition that, that hasn't been talked about enough. So um, that that plus uh, Alan Kamara just being a threat out of the backfield as a pass catcher too, like that, I think the Saints are really be able to move the ball here. I'm, I'm kind of kind of digging what I, what I saw from the Saints last week. Yeah, very interested to see if that continues. Yeah, they're they're a takeaway defense, right? I mean, they got nine picks on the year. They they got fumble recoveries. They they are aggressive, and I think that bodes well against Tyson Bajan. All right, let's move to the late window. Uh, we got three games in the late window this week. Two two kind of stinkers, although one the one we're about to talk about it, it could be fun. Giants Raiders is the other, and then the the marquee game Cowboys Eagles, Colts at the Panthers. John, uh, Colts are two and a half point favorites on the road. Total is forty four. I, I like the over on this. I mean, they, the Colts are are hemorrhaging points over the last few weeks. They've given up thirty seven, thirty eight, thirty nine to the Jags, the Browns, and the Saints respectively in that span. Uh, you know, meanwhile, yeah, Bryce Young he, he won the battle of of top two quarterbacks uh, in the twenty twenty three draft last week, but. I'm still pretty underwhelmed, you know, with this Panthers passing game, you know, for the most part, playing it safe, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of short passes, you know, give credit to Bryce Young for avoiding turnovers. That's been big, but you know, Carolina's 25th in passing EPA. They're 30th in yards per completion. They're 31st in yards per attempt. It's just not really an offense that, that takes a lot of chances. And the Colts are the opposite of that. I mean, they're, they're hucking the ball all over the place right now. I think Kara, if you want to beat the Colts, I don't care where this game is being played you got to score. And I think Indianapolis is, is one of those teams that is going to get to, you know, 27, 30 plus points uh, on a lot of weeks, especially when they play teams like Carolina and the Panthers are, are yet to score more than what 27 in a game this season. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they've, they've been under 20 more often than they've been over 20. So I, I don't really trust Carolina to keep up with Indy offensively. I know like the, the initial inclination, especially with Carolina coming off the win, it's like, Oh, they're, they're giving points at home, but in it, you know, who's Indianapolis, but um, I think we we're we're close with the, the, the clock is drawing nearer to the Jonathan Taylor, just complete explosion game. And it, it yeah. could happen this week. Um, the passing game has been clicking Pittman downs, uh, even Alec Pierce a little bit getting going They're They're putting up tons of points. Like, like you said, 
And yeah, Carolina just is so conservative that if they go down early in this one, like it, it's, it could be over, over. Um, but you know, beyond that, that the, the Miles Sanders contract has not really worked out uh, like they were hoping. And, you know, I thought that coming into the year, their, their plan would be to, you know, kind of keep the kid gloves on Bryce Young a little bit and just still be able to, to run the ball pretty well. That hasn't totally been the case. So we're just left with a really anemic passing game. That's it. And it's just basically Adam Thielen. So going him going into the, the teeth of this Indianapolis defense might not be the scariest thing in the world. But even still, um, I, I do like Indianapolis in this spot. I, I'm, I'm interested in this game. I think uh, it'll be it'll be it could be fun. Carolina is now dead last in rushing defense EPA on the year. They're allowing almost 140 rush yards per game. And, you know, granted, the Colts haven't been a whole lot better. These teams are one and two in terms of rushing touchdowns allowed on the year. Colts have played one more game. So keep that in mind. Um, but, you know, yards per attempt, Carolina is almost allowing five uh, to two opposing mm-hmm. running backs. I, I think you're right to point out like this. This might be the Jonathan Taylor and maybe even Zach Moss, uh, you know, together explosion week for the Colts. I, I actually I, I'm a little bit scared of how much I like the Colts here, especially at two and a half. Ooh, I don't know. Should we be afraid or should we include it? I think as of right now, we got to include it because we, we don't have a ton of options. You got to get to five picks for that circuit contest. So that will be one uh, that will be one that we will heavily discuss before locking those in this weekend. Giants Raiders uh, probably going to be a stay away, John. I think that goes without saying uh, Raiders two <laughs> point favorites at home. We have the we on one side, we have a team that threw for negative nine passing yards last week. <laughs> on the other side, we have a team that just fired its coach and GM and announced that it's also switching to Aiden O'Connell, seemingly for the rest of the year. Um, you know, I I have no read on this game. I don't know how you possibly could. I, I think Daniel Jones is going to play for the Giants. That That is certainly a boost. But Saquon Barkley also popped up on the injury report with an ankle. Uh, he was limited at practice on Wednesday. Darren Waller uh, looks like he's not going to play, could be headed for a multi-week absence. Giants still super banged up on the offensive line. Now the, the the Giants' defense has, has turned a corner. Like they're playing a lot better the last couple of weeks, and that that does worry me here. Ultimately, though, the question is for the Raiders: Is this a galvanizing moment? Is, is this a, a team that now plays harder for Antonio Pierce, who now gets to go up against his former team, or you know, is it a situation where there's just so much dysfunction that everybody kind of gets sucked into that? I, I, you see these situations go either way every year. Yeah, it, I was. I was unaware of Antonio Pierce's presence on that coaching staff. I remember yeah. he was on the on the staff for uh, Herm Edwards at Arizona State um, over, over these last few yes. years. That that, that, that didn't end well. staff at Arizona State. <laughs> it's just yeah, just like a lot of former players uh, with like no coaching experience. But Pierce has obviously climbed the ladder, and look at him now. Um, but I, I would say that moving forward, this will be more galvanizing for, for the Raiders. I think McDaniel's was just he must have just been hated. Uh, in that locker room and in that in that building, generally, so so you know that that could be a bit of a breath of fresh air. But I think what we saw, and certainly that you could apply this same logic uh, on the other side with with the Raiders' uh, defensive line going up against the, this you know kind of decimated Giants' offensive front. But I thought that the Raiders, their their offensive line uh, was so abysmal on, on Monday night against against Detroit. And the way that the the Giants defense in the front seven and the pass rush have gotten going over these last few weeks, it, I think it could be more of the same. We saw Aiden O'Connell get just eaten alive by the Chargers in, in his first start earlier this year. We could have a similar issue here where, where the Raiders just like, even if they, they have good matchups or, or good like personnel advantages, the offensive line is just going to let them down to where 
plays yeah. just aren't developing. They're taking sacks. You're, you're getting into impossible de- uh, down to go situations and that just could be enough. So um, I like the giants in this spot. I, I think that Daniel Jones coming back is somewhat helpful um, for, for the G men here. Um, so I, I will take uh, the giants on the road. I think Jones being back is massive because the other option is DeVito, right? I mean, I don't think we can overstate like how big of a deal it is if, if Daniel Jones plays and starts this game, which I think he will. Uh, but I, I also have concerns kind of similar to what we talked about with New England, where it's like, all right, well, if there's no Waller, maybe you have a limited Barkley. Uh, you know, it, it, does it really matter who he's throwing to? It's like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. And, you know, as, as horrible as the Raiders were the other night, you know, if Jimmy G just makes a couple of throws, like that is a much closer game and one that gets really dicey at the end for the Detroit Lions. So I, I, I think kind of lost in, in everything that's happened over the last 24 hours for the Raiders is that if Jimmy G just, just completes a couple pretty easy throws downfield, I think we feel a little bit differently about this team. I actually thought they hung in better than I expected at times with Detroit, but you're right. It's, it's hard to erase, you know, that final drive for the Raiders from your memory where Jimmy G was sacked, what, four times in like six plays. Yeah, that was, that was insane. I, I think Jimmy G doesn't get enough credit for being, pretty tough like that guy gets gets hit hot a and lot tough. and he yeah. and he, right what a combo it's like not even fair but um yeah he stood he stood in there and just took some absolute mm. shots for, from the from the lions uh so obviously that the raiders are gonna start going in a different direction going forward with aiden o'connell i do kind of like aiden o'connell i think he's definitely viable in super flex leagues this week but uh as far as our betting concerns mm-hmm. go give me the g-man all right, that brings us to Cowboys-Eagles, John. Uh, Eagles getting th- uh, three points at home. Uh, 46 is the total here. Uh, three seems about right, you know, with the Eagles being being at the bank. I, I'm i inclined to to back Philly here. I, I think you know, the Eagles feel like they tend to show up for these big games. Like when they've been tripped up over the last couple of years, it's kind of come in spots that you wouldn't expect. Uh, you know, we, I, I don't. I believe, John, we, we didn't really get a fair read on this matchup last year because we had – we had Cooper Rush at quarterback for the first matchup, and then I believe it was Minshew for the second. So this this will be the first you know Dak Hurts showdown, um, you know of, of of the last like year plus. So it's there's not a lot of history to fall back on. You know Dallas coming in about as hot as they possibly could. You know huge win over the Rams last week. CD Lamb is officially back. Dak Prescott uh, is playing well. Uh, but I, I also like every week I, I struggle to to understand how many people are so down on the Eagles, and it, it's almost like all right they have one loss on the year. And yes, it was ugly. It was against the Jets. You know, they, they went through this phase where they just felt like they were committing these terrible turnovers every week. But I, to me, in, in a year where, you know, it feels like teams are getting tripped up all the time, like the Eagles have taken care of business as well as just about everyone. And, and it seems like the complaint is like, well, they're, they're not dominating as much as they should. But I, for the most part, they're getting the results. And I know the defense hasn't quite been to the level that it was last year. Um, but I, I think the Eagles show up in these spots, especially at home. I, I like Philly to, to cover three. I do too. Um, I'm I, I'm still dubious on the Cowboys. Um, I, I'm not sure that that they can beat the the best of the best. I, I keep being surprised to see them like in the top five of, of the Super Bowl odds standings. I just, I'm not ready to buy in ju- just yet. I think that you know they, they can do things like like they did a week ago to the Rams, but they can also do things uh, like their performance on that Sunday night game against the 49ers. Um, Dak Prescott, I feel like it has been mercurial. He's either had just either killer weeks uh, in the good way or killer weeks in the bad way um, going to the bank uh, or I guess not the bank. Uh, that's the baseball stadium in Philly, but going to the link. The link. No, I'm feeling bad about it for, for the Cowboys. Give me, give me the Eagles as well. I think we're in lockstep here. 
Yeah, uh, like Philly here at home, I, I think this is, you know, like I said, they, they show up in these spots. And, you know, I think when push comes to, uh, for lack of a better term, shove, no. uh, uh, they, they can clean up the turnovers. Like the turnovers are what are keeping, you know, some of these these inferior teams in games that they have no business being in with the Eagles. Like they're, I, I don't think they're fumbling twice inside the five yard line this week against Dallas. So give me the Eagles. Uh, Bills Bengals, John, is our Sunday night game this week. Uh, we got a banger. I, I really like the Bengals here. I'm going to come out and say it up front. Uh, two points is our spread in favor of Cincinnati. 49 and a half is the total. Uh, to me, Buffalo is the team that showed a lot more concerning trends. Uh, they're the team that has you know, still some, some big-time injuries on the defensive side of the ball, guys who are not coming back, whereas you know, for the third straight year now, we're, we're seeing Cincinnati feel like it's, it's hitting that midseason push where they start to look like the best team in the NFL. And you know, I, I know there, there were some, some plays that went their way, especially in the first half against the 49ers. Could have been a closer game. I still you know, check that off as a really important and really valid win for the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know, I, I don't want to kind of over buy into this team based on one result, but I also am pretty much willing to throw out, you know, how bad they looked early on because it's, it's night and day. Like it's not like Joe Burrow is this, you know, second year quarterback who we're, we're still trying to decide if he's good or not. It's like, we know how good he is when he's healthy. And we saw that last week. If that's the guy we're getting going forward, I, I think Cincinnati's as good as anybody in the NFL. Yes. The, like we have, Two years of sample to, to draw on, like 20, 21 and 22. Um, the, the Bengals were, you know, just shy of being the best team in, in football. So um, we know that they have it in them. The, the core remains mostly the same, if not a little bit better. They've had some guys on, on the defensive side really kind of start to develop, like Dax Hill. Um, you have a pretty sick pass rushing duo of, of uh, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson. Um, so the defense has some teeth to it. Uh, and I, I like the corner personnel as well. And then, you know, you, you bake that in. Um, I think that they're going to be able to throw a lot of things at, at Josh Allen that, that could knock him off his spot a little bit. And they, they can't like really find the refuge in, in the run game. They just don't really have the, the bodies for that. I, I don't think hot take of the year that, that Leonard Fournette really changes the fortunes of the, of this Bills team or, or its run game. So um, as long as they keep a lid on Stephon Diggs, I think they're, they're in good shape here. And I, I think that this is a, a Bills secondary that, that can be picked on a little bit. You know, no Tredavious White. We're, we're about a month uh, into him being out for the season. And the, the results haven't looked great as far as that secondary is concerned. I think Burrow is going to be ready to pick them apart. And I think it was, uh, you know, what, what we saw from Jamar Chase is what we expect last week. And I, I think we started to see signs of life out of T Higgins for the first time, basically all season. So the, having multiple threats there and Joe Mixon looked the best that he's looked all season as well. Everything was clicking for them. We'll see if they can kind of like put, find the chutzpah to, to do it two weeks in a row. But I, I don't think that they'll need a whole lot of extra motivation uh, with, with this being a, a Sunday night game against uh, you know a team that's kind of developing into one of their like AFC rivals. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a rematch of the DeMar Hamlin game, right? I think both these teams have had this one circled as soon as the schedule came out. Um, you know, Cincinnati's defense to me is, is continues to be underrated. You know, I think we, it's pretty easy to, to fall into the trap of just talking about Joe Burrow and T. Higgins and, and Jabbar Chase. But I, I actually would kind of give a slight advantage, I think, to the Cincinnati defense over what's left of the Buffalo defense at this point. I think you're right. I think this could be a game like last week where, you know, Burrow's like 28 of 32, just super efficient, picking them apart. I mean, he, that was that was as good as Burroughs looked in a long time, certainly this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of his better games that we've seen, you know, in his entire career. And I think if he plays anything close to that, they're going to be in good shape. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned, John, Josh Allen still banged up. You know, we, we saw it last week for a moment. It looked like he was going to come out of the game, ended up playing through it, uh, but still dealing with that shoulder elbow issue. 
did not practice at all today. Uh, I'd be shocked if he doesn't play, but I, I still think there's a chance that he's not 100%, a good chance, in fact. And, you know, with Allen, I think every hit he takes to that right side, you know, it, there's always the risk of re-injury. Yep, there, there is. So that that's a huge added concern for Buffalo because if he's not Superman, I don't think they have a prayer here. Right. Yeah. Cincinnati, I mean, give it two points. That That's the best part here, right? If this was three, if this was three and a half, you'd be like, all right, yeah, maybe not. But two, I, I think this is a, a really, really nice line. I like this one a lot. Monday night football, Chargers, Jets, Chargers, three point favorites on the road. Total is sitting at 40. Oh, man, what do we do here? I mean, this is a just a, a Jets team that who knows? You know, we, we know the defense is going to be there. Uh, you know, the offense, I mean, just one. They, they won one of the, the most unwinnable games uh, that you will see <laughs> in NFL history last week. Uh, props to them, I, I suppose. Uh, you know, got the benefit of being able to spot the ball themselves <laughs> on that last spike before the field goal. But we'll uh, we'll let that one be. Do we dare trust the Chargers here to cover three on the road against a good defense? I don't. I don't. I don't think that last week proves anything for for the Chargers. Um, they no. They they are so far still out of out of the circle of trust. They they need a game like this to to make me start rethinking that. But until that happens, uh, I just am going to continue to to fade the Chargers uh, against the spread. I think that this is a this is a you know a top tier uh, Jets defense that they're at home. Uh, long trip for for the Chargers. Uh, the Jets have been solid against the spread uh, at home so far this year. I think they're just three and one thus far. Um, you know, four and one in, in MetLife Stadium overall uh, because they were the road team last week. But um, you know that we just need we need like twenty points for, from the Jets here, and and I think that they can get there. I, I don't think that this is a particularly impressive uh, Chargers defense, and you know if. If Keenan Allen isn't isn't popping off, if Austin Eckler isn't popping off, and I don't expect either of them to based on on this matchup, then I, I you know, Justin Herbert's going to have to play at a level that uh, we haven't really like seen him do consistently against great defenses. So um, consider me a, a doubter still uh, on the Chargers this year. I think Brandon Staley kind of a doofus, and yeah, I, I like the Jets in this spot. I think if the Jets could run the ball, they could win this game outright. That, that yep. to me is, is what it comes down to. I, I, LA can't, I don't think it's going to be able to run at all. Um, you know, Austin Eckler has been back for three weeks and he had a huge game fantasy wise last week. That was all through the air uh, against a mm-hmm. pretty bad Bears defense. I mean, 15 carries for 29 yards. Prior to that, 14 for 45 against KC, 14 for 27 against Dallas. And, you know, th- th- those are all actually reasonable run defenses, including the Bears. But I, I don't think, I don't think he snaps out of that trend this week against the Jets. So it, to, to me, it comes down to, uh, you know, can the Jets find ways to score points? Like you said, they, they're probably going to have to get to 20. I mean, even if it's not a great day for the Chargers offense, I think they have enough pieces that you can't, you know, if you're the Jets, you can't expect to win this game 13 to 10. Um, so they're going to need to run. I, I don't really trust Zach Wilson still whatsoever. I mean, it does feel like if they're in like a hurry up situation, he's made some nice plays this season, but outside of that, he's still very much Zach Wilson. And the Jets are number one in the league right now in pressure rate. And you know, I, I think that's, that's kind of the one key. If, if Justin Herbert has time, He's going to look like a top three quarterback in the NFL and he's going to dice you up. If he doesn't have time and you're getting to him and he's going down four or five times over the course of the game, I think that's the Jets window into this. There it is. So uh, I think that that, that all those factors are, are enough to point me in the, in the direction of the Jets. And, you know, not only do I think the Jets uh, cover this one, but I, I think they went out, right? All right. Before we talk some survivor, hand out our locks of the week. It is football season at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. 
featuring the best pool in history, Stadium Swim. Three levels, six pools, and a 143-foot diagonal screen. Stadium Swim is America's favorite place to watch football. They play every game from college to the pros. You can catch all the action poolside from a variety of seating options, including cozy day beds, private temperature-controlled cabanas. They got their own TVs in there, too. Uh, it is fantastic down at Stadium Swim. It's located at Circa Resort and Casino, and it's open 365 days a year. That's not normal, John. A lot of Vegas pools, you know, this time of year, they'll be closing up for a few months. No, not Stadium mm-hmm. Swim. 365 days a year, all sports, all seasons. Book today at CircaLasVegas.com. That's CircaLasVegas.com. All right, let's run through uh, some, some quick survivor options for week nine. You know, we say it every week at this point. We don't know who you have left. It's tough to, to just say, all right, use this team because you might have already used them. Uh, to me, Cleveland, New Orleans, th- those are probably the teams I would trust most. And I, I'd probably put New Orleans first. You know, it, beyond that, it, it's getting pretty dicey. You know, maybe Atlanta, uh, you know, going up against what we think will be Jaron Hall and Minnesota. I, outside of that, am I missing anything obvious? I don't think so, um, be, because everything else has a pretty uh, narrow spread. Um, I, I think even as confident as I am, say, in like the, the Patriots this week, um, I, I'm not ready to, to, to plunk down in Survivor mm-hmm. for them. In the one uh, main Survivor pool that, that I do, uh, once you get to week nine, you got to pick two. So um, oh. it's, it's, a, it's a great wrinkle. Uh, it creates some separation w- within the pool. Uh, so not everyone always gets knocked out at once. You can kind of uh, prove yourself over the course of the season a little bit more. And boy, this is, this is tricky, but I'm glad that I have Cleveland and Atlanta available. I think that those are my two, but New Orleans is also um, very appealing. But um, I, I went Survivor the other week against the Bears, and it went poorly. Uh, so I'm a little bit scared of them, even though I, I do objectively like, like the Saints against the spread. My parlay of the week for NFL Week 9, Atlanta Falcons, minus 4.5. Cleveland Browns, covering 8. And we are taking the under on 40 in the Buccaneers-Houston Texans game. So that is Atlanta and Cleveland to cover. And we're going under 40 uh, on the total for Tampa Bay and Houston. Uh, I know you got two parlays lined up, John. So I will will clear the floor for you. Yes, I I have a couple here, a couple three-leg ones. Uh, One pays out about six to one. So your your classic three picks, uh, minus 110 odds. That's Atlanta, minus four and a half. Baltimore minus five and a half, although that number is six now. So I might need to reconsider that. And New Orleans at, at minus seven and a half. Um, going a little bit further, a little bit bigger. Uh, we got plus 793 odds. So just about eight to one. Um, the Rams covering three and a half on the road, uh, plus three and a half, that is. Uh, the Jets money line. And then Cincinnati minus three and a half. That gets you about eight to one. Ooh, look at you. And I mean, you, you might be able to get that Cincinnati price a little bit better now, too, down at two. Um, Jets money line. That is that is saucy stuff, John. I like it. That's that's what it takes, though. You want to get to eight to one, you got to take some chances. Um, right. All right, teaser of the week. We're we're throwing another seven pointer out there. Um, man, we 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 hit two out of the three last week, John, and the Chiefs. We teased them down to even. All they had to do was win that game. As we know, they did not win that game. So we're we're back to the well on the teaser. Seattle. We're teasing them up to plus thirteen. They just got to cover thirteen against the Ravens. Uh, we are teasing the Browns. Uh, down to minus one. So just hopefully win that game. Um, it doesn't come down to a one-point game. And we're teasing the Commanders up to 10 against the New England Patriots. I think we get a, a close game one way or the other there. So Seahawks plus 13, Browns minus one, Commanders plus 10. I like it. Um, I, I think the only liability I could see there 
is probably the Seahawks. Like if it gets away from them, it could, could get really bad, but um, you know, I don't see a blowout, even if the the Patriots do win and cover that game. So, so getting that 10 point cushion uh, is nice. And then uh, yeah, the, the, the Browns, you know, knocking on wood here, but they're they're not going to lose that game. All right, John, who are we locking up this week? Give me the Bengals. You know, it it fits my, my season long narrative of, uh, uh, being a little bit dubious on, on the Bills, and, and I really am sold that the Bengals are about to go on a pretty serious tear here. So I, I think the last week was just the beginning of something uh, pretty crazy for, from Cincinnati as we go forward. I got the Bengals as well. We're locking up the Bengals minus two Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. I was trying to even come up with a secondary lock. <laughs> it's tough, man. Maybe the Eagles at three. I, I like that one as well. I don't love the number quite as much, but getting the Bengals at two is big. I would love to say I could confidently lock up the Taylor Heineke Falcons to cover four and a half at home against Minnesota, uh, but it is the Falcons. They're they're almost in Chargers territory for me at this point, where I you can't like I don't I don't care what the number is. I mean they could be they could be like plus seventy, and I'd be like eh, I don't know yeah. probably stay away. <laughs> it's uh yeah they are they are hmm. they're a frustrating bunch. They they win at home, they never cover at home. It's it's uh, yeah. it's tough. It is what it is. All right, man, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thank you for those of us, or those of you who hung out and uh, watched live as we broke down every game for week nine of the NFL season. Best of luck to everybody betting this weekend, John. Looking forward to, to catching up with you this weekend, watching some football, and uh, should be a good time. We'll be back. Uh, should be Thursday next week on our normal schedule, talking NFL week 10. Good luck this week.